Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's edition of the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, broadcasting live from NGC Studios here in South Florida, and I want to thank you so very much for joining me uh, here tonight on my very special uh, 11th year anniversary. And uh, in case you... Uh, spotted that delay. I was just pausing the uh, live stream on uh, my browser, so that's why I was muted there for a sec. Um, at any rate, thank you once again for uh, joining me on the program. I'm so glad to have you all here. Um, contact info as usual. You can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 70 underscore NGC, hashtag Sam's Savages. Hashtag uh, Whitfield Report. Also at Whitfield Report if you want to follow the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Gab at Sam Whitfield, although I'm never over there. So, uh, but, you know, if that's something you want to use, facebook.com forward slash uh, Whitfield Report and uh, also thesamwhitfield.com uh, for all. Your, uh, if you want to read my writing, 
So even though I haven't posted, they're on uh, in ages. And uh, as always, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, tonight is a very special show. It is uh, my 11th anniversary of podcasting. Uh, technically, we're a few days early as the very first episode of uh, my podcast, which wasn't even titled initially, uh, was up uh, loaded on March 25th of 2008. Uh, so... For those who are regular listeners of the program, uh, I'll try and keep this short relatively uh, short. But as always, I kind of like to recap for the newer listeners how I uh, got started in podcasting. Um, I've told this story a couple of times, but since I'm always getting new listeners, I find that it's always helpful uh, to kind of recap this for some people. Um, also, by the way, we'll be having uh, Dan Sandini uh, of Daylight Disinfectant joining us via Skype uh, tonight. He'll be coming on in a few minutes to promote his uh, show. And also, uh, we may have some other guests joining us via Skype. I don't know. We could get surprise calls. Um, and then after this show, too, around... Uh, 10.30 or 11 p.m., I'll be doing a second uh, stream via Google Hangouts, uh, and we may have a, a few more people to jump in there. But uh, anyway, so uh, as I mentioned before, I'll just give a quick overview of how I got started in this whole, uh, you know, podcasting mess to begin with. Uh, from an early age... I was always very interested in history and politics and current events. I don't know why. It was just the subject I was fascinated with in school. And uh, since I couldn't really, since I couldn't really play sports or, uh, you know, do anything like that, I couldn't really play a musical instrument. I just became kind of a, a nerd. Uh, you know, both in the political sense and in the pop culture sense. So I, uh, I first started listening to uh, podcasts back in 2007 when basically all there were were uh, comic book podcasts uh, like, you know, Kevin Smith and, you know, a, a couple other of those types of comic book nerd shows. Uh, also, there was the Adam Carolla show, which, you know, geez, that's been on a long time now. Uh, you know, Adam is kind of a libertarian comedian, so I enjoyed his podcast. And uh, also, I was into Rush Limbaugh at a, at a very early age, probably around, uh, you know, going back to my early, early middle school days, and I remember listening to Rush and uh, thinking, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's just saying his opinions and provoking all sorts of, uh, you know, people and trolling the left, and if he can do that on the radio, then I might be able to do that thing uh, too. So my first episode 
uh, I recorded when I was 13, and uh, I just decided to do it for a goof. My first podcast episode was uh, just under 15 minutes long. I hadn't even hit puberty yet. Like, I'll, I'm going to see if I can try and, uh, you know, link the first, if I can still find it. I actually played uh, the. I actually played my very first episode uh, on last year's anniversary show, the ten-year anniversary special, um, and I, like I said, I even hit. I hadn't even hit puberty yet, so my voice still sounded like that of a kid uh, because I literally was a kid. So I did the first podcast kind of as an offshoot just for myself and uh you know I shared it with a couple people during the uh 2000 election and they said dude this is actually you know pretty good so I started doing more and uh you know eventually it kind of became a thing and then it really got serious because uh during the 2008 election as I said before, I was a political. I was a political nerd, so I was looking at like voting records and uh, whatnot. And the one thing I noticed was uh, this was around the time Barack Obama was nominated as the Democrat nominee. And I remember uh, looking at his voting record. Keep in mind, I was only like, you know, fourteen at that point, and. Um, I noticed that Obama didn't have much political experience on his voting record, and I also noticed that his voting record was inconsistent. Um, I actually brought that up on a paper that I had to write for a a civics class. And uh, I remember bringing that up to a couple of my peers in the class. And, uh, you know, all, all I said was, isn't it a little odd that this guy is running for the highest office in the land and he doesn't really have, like, a consistent voting record? And out of nowhere, I, I started being called a racist. Oh, you you just don't want the first, uh, you know, black president, you know? And I, I hadn't said anything, and I was kind of like, well, no, I just... I want his, so, and I, I, I kept, it kept being called, you know, being accused of being a racist. Now, keep in mind, I'm in eighth grade, all my friends are in eighth grade. I had no idea that the, that this was the beginning of the social justice, uh, warrior culture, but it was. I mean, I didn't really hate, I didn't really hate Obama, I just asked questions at the time, and, you know, because of that, I was, I was called a racist, along with, like, a few other, you know, conservative-minded students, and, uh, it was just weird, um, so, I started to do a podcast, essentially, because I knew that there were other students who weren't, I wouldn't really say conservative, but they were questioning things. And so I just, uh, 
You know, I just started a, the podcast kind of on a women doing it regularly. My uh, first couple of years, I didn't get an audience much above, like, you know, 20 or, you know, on a good week, I would get, like, 10 to 15 listens. And, uh, you know, back in these days, too, I would also, what I had to do in terms of doing the technical stuff is I would literally just sit in a room and uh, with, like, one of those old, like, uh, call center headsets and... Uh, record into a program called Audacity. And it would be just me staring at my computer screen, uh, watch, you know, with some recording software, watching the waves go up and down. And then I would upload uh, the files to Google Drive. And uh, then I... Uh, then I... I can't remember, I think I used FeedBurner to create an RSS feed, but long story short, I, 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 like, I found a way to hack, uh, to kind of create my own RSS feed, because I sure as hell wasn't going to, um, you know, pay for, I sure as hell wasn't going to pay for, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, Lipson, it was at the time, Lipson was pretty much like the only, uh, option for podcast hosting and I mean I was still a kid I didn't really have money to burn so that was fun um so I jerigged that then I think like my second year like halfway through my second year that was when I moved on to the wonderful system known as blog talk radio I say wonderful system in air quote uh for those of you who are into podcasting some of you might remember what blog talk radio was you would basically call into uh, your, you would basically call into like this, uh, like conference call service with your phone, and the uh, the stream quality was, you know, it it's it sounded like you were on a conference call, but like people could actually call in and you could do a show, so I was on there from like two thousand ten to. Uh, 2013, uh, and then during which time I interviewed Ben Shapiro, um, as I'm probably most noted for, um, and then I moved to Spreaker in 2013, um, 2013, I, late 2013, I graduated high school, moved here to Florida, uh, joined a, another podcasting network, uh, started NGC Media during that time too, and, uh, you know, the, the show started becoming more, uh, pop culture oriented, not just politics, like, I, I started talking more like movies and pop culture and music and whatnot, so, uh, it was also in 2013 when I was still in Denver when I met my uh, good friend Dan Sandine of Daylight Disinfectant, who uh, I'm going to be bringing on here in a few minutes. So, um, I mean, the the podcast has just. I, I know I'm not even getting my own history of the podcast right. I've just done so much, but. Uh, 
I guess, you know, up to now, I guess recapping the last year would be the easiest. This year, uh, in 2018, I celebrated, you know, the 10-year anniversary show last year. And then I made the move to uh, YouTube, uh, started live streaming there, and uh, met some people online uh, who I, uh, I guess I poached an audience from a, another uh, podcaster who's, well, I don't want to bring him up because I've brought this uh, individual up so much, but... Uh, you know, long as for sure, this uh, podcast has kind of had the had a rebirth of sorts in the last year, so I'm extremely grateful to have all of you on. So uh, that's kind of, of, of a brief history. Um, now I'll be dialing uh, my good friend Dan Sandini of Daylight Disinfectant, and he'll be uh, he'll be on to discuss uh, his new mini podcast and YouTube series that he's uh, been, that he just started producing last week, and he's a good friend of the show, so we'll probably talk uh, politics and Breitbart and all that stuff too. So um, we're kind of doing this uh, all live, so hang on a second, I'll pull Dan up on Skype. So... Uno momento, por favor. I, yeah, okay. So. He won't be, he'll be uh, joining us by audio, too, probably. It's uh, ringing. Hello, Sam. Hello, hello there, Dan Sandini. How are you doing tonight, sir? Good. How are you? It's great that you've had me on the program. Thank you so much. Oh, glad to have you, uh, sir. It's uh, it's been a while. I think the last time you were on, we uh, did our memorial uh, show for our late friend uh, Leo Stratton. Cheers to Leo. Cheers um, to Leo on a Saturday night for sure. So, yeah, a great citizen journalist. In, very, very great guy. Indeed. Uh, so, folks, for those who don't know, uh, Dan is the one who pops up as Daylight Disinfectant in uh, my comments and on the, the streams uh, sometimes. So, uh, Dan, I know I've asked you this, uh, you know, a bunch of times. Every time I have you on, we, we keep growing the uh, audience. So, briefly, kind of, if you don't mind, run down your history because your story is fascinating. Sure. I'm I'm a niner. I think I've heard people say that before, that after the election of Barack Obama, that I kind of woke up and uh, I was out in Portland, Oregon, and I just started trying to think about how I could change things. And um, I decided that I was going to I saw somebody looking for someone to do a video. So I got involved in a situation where I ended up going down to do videos with James O'Keefe, uh, who does uh, Project Veritas. James is a great guy at exposing the left these sort of insider videos but i kind of got him and got in touch with him for a video that he put out there um that you can see on his youtube channel called uh i think it has to do with uh, the bus project yeah the bus project sort of doorbelling for democrats type thing out there in portland so that's when i first got started so that was and then i was doing it for like a decade 
Um, I got involved in videoing, and I started a channel called Daylight Disinfectant, and you can see it out there. It's still there. I keep all those videos up there. It's at DaylightDisinfectant.com, and I'm also at YouTube, but I think they changed my URL. But if you, if you, if you, you know, Google all one word or just search all one word on, uh, on YouTube, it's Daylight Disinfectant. All my videos are still out there. But uh, I definitely got a lot of time getting to know the left during Occupy, only because my friend laughing at liberals kept dragging me down there. And I wasn't really I was retired and, you know, I really wasn't really interested in this, but it just brought my attention to the left. And then some of my videos drew the attention of Andrew Breitbart and I got put in one of his movies. And and as you can see me interviewed in Occupy a Mask because I confronted Michael Moore on some things. And uh, if you think he's big on YouTube, he's huge in person. I mean, he is mammoth. He's probably one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not just saying that to be mean or anything like that or just to be degrade him in any way, but he is a big human being. I, I've really never seen anything like that. Anyway, so you can see that's probably one of my biggest videos on my YouTube channel, which is uh, Disinfectant. And, yeah, I'm a regular guest on Jane Carroll's show back in Portland. It's a, it's a small um, r- uh, radio station, now moved on to podcast. Uh, conservative council thing so you can find me there every once a week and i i restarted we should talk about the we should talk about social media and what the left is doing to squelch the the right on on uh social media we should talk about that at some point but uh oh, my yeah. first account got uh, got pulled down so i do have a second one out there it's daylight disinfectant 2 t-o-o so if you search that daylight disinfectant oh and we're at space t-o-o you'll find me out there tweeting away so there you go Sam and I guess we get introduced through. Um, did we get introduced through Breitbart or I can't remember? We Sam, how I ended up meeting you. We got introduced, I think. Now that it's coming back to me, I I so my senior of high school, I actually met Hugh Hewitt, um, the uh, the lawyer and radio talk show host, who uh, even though he went never Trump during the election, I I think he's kind of come around. I I still very much uh, respect. Hugh Hewitt, as did uh, the late Andrew Breitbart, uh, and that's another thing. Even though I never, uh, you know, people always ask, because I'm such a big fan of Breitbart, if I ever met him, I want to clarify again, I uh, I never had the chance to meet Andrew, but it's interesting because I've gotten to meet uh, people like you who did know Andrew and who did get to work uh, with him. Um, so I was, through uh, Hugh Hewitt, I was introduced to... Uh, Tammy Jackson, who I'm not sure if she's still, uh, I haven't seen her on Twitter or in the political scene, but she introduced me to you, uh, recommended that that I get connected with you, and, uh, I also saw Occupy Unmasked, and, uh, I, I can't remember whether you, whether you followed me on Twitter first, I think maybe you did, um, I remember watching Occupy Unmasked, which is a great movie, by the way, I, think it's out there on itunes still and uh i saw your segment and i was like hey i think that guy follows me on twitter we uh you and i connected and just started talking and the rest is history and uh i've learned a lot about citizen journalism and uh filming and what to do and what not to do you you were kind of my first uh mentor too up to that point i had pretty much taught myself everything uh, that there was to know about citizen journalism just by watching YouTube videos and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, 
you know, very grateful to have you as a mentor. I mean, I mean, well, thanks. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. I'm, I'm not much of, you know, I'm not much of anything to look up to, but Andrew Breitbart certainly was for you people who haven't seen the movie Occupy Mass. I think that's really a great opportunity to learn actually from, you know, sort of an, a, an erudite level where the left comes from and where those ideas come from and why they are here in the United States and why there's this ongoing battle between, you know, people who have their beliefs founded in the Constitution and then this just this bunch of left and they just get wackier and wackier every day. I can't, you know, you can't imagine that they get any more wacky than this Green New Deal. But then, <laughs> geez, I never thought they would try anything like that. You know, I mean, so it's crazy. So, yeah, but but um, so I just started doing a new channel. And, and well, I started doing a new podcast that I stuck out on my old channel called Sandini Sabotage that I stuck out there where I, I was um, I was talking about. Uh, representative, I think it's Omar. I th- sometimes I say Oman, but I think it's Omar, yeah. and she's from Minnesota. Yeah, I'm, I, and so I, I just took her as a topic for my first podcast, and I put it out there. And I think you and I have been sort of bouncing around on that out in social media. And, and um, I just thought what she had to say was, I, you know, I lived in Germany for a number of years. For your listeners, probably, I didn't mention that in my bio, but I lived in Germany for eight years, and I speak German pretty well. And so it's kind of cool when you're watching those German war movies. I can actually kind of understand Hitler now. When I first started, I couldn't understand him, but I kind of get the accent now. He's got some sort of thick Bavarian thing going on, but I can un- kind of understand him now. And it's kind of interesting to so. In in any case, I you know I think I have a good appreciation for what socialism is. Uh, I've been to Russia before, been to Saint Petersburg, been to Moscow. You know, uh, I met people and been in their homes out there, so I kind of know what communism is and what socialism is from a, from a tactical perspective, I guess you could say. Uh, and so that's, and I think that's why Breitbart recognized that and stuck me in his movie, I guess. I, I have no idea, but I, they used a lot of my footage and I was down there. And I try to remember what, you know, like what are the most memorable parts? I would have to say the most memorable part of Occupy was the smell. I was thinking about that the other day. I will never forget the smell of Occupy Portland. Yeah. Um, well, also you got you got assaulted by uh, one of the occupiers too. I I I seem yeah. to I seem I'd, to remember. Yeah. Um. Actually, before that, Sam, I think that's sort of my claim to fame. And actually, on my uh, dailydisinfectant.com, if you click the about page, it'll have a little video there of me on the Glenn Beck show talking about it. And I got to meet Glenn down in studios down there in Texas, and he. Yeah, so so uh, the reason why I got in this program was I got assaulted at a John Kitzhaber rally. And I know a lot of your listeners are it's like, who the hell is John Kitzhaber? He's the ex-corrupt governor of the state of Oregon. And I can honestly say that we'll never get credit for it, but myself and Laughing and Liberals were the first people that were onto that. And I went to one of his first campaign events. I guess he was in the, it must have been 2010, Sam, because I think that was an election year for him to get into the governor's office. And I asked him a question about his girlfriend. And nothing happened then, but 17 minutes later, after sitting in a pew, just quietly, these two thugs come and sit on either th- side of me. They try and remove me just for filming. And I refuse to go. And uh, one of them punches my camera in the face. Unfortunately, I had someone there with me that had the second camera angle had a b-roll uh separate camera angle on me with this guy doing this to me but put me in the hospital and so breitbart recognized that saw that and you know put it up on his channel that only made me more determined 
I mean, you suffer problems from that, but it made me more determined that, you know, these people aren't going to get away with. So this this squelching of the right has gone on for a long time and they they'll yeah. use any means necessary, Sam, any means, any means necessary um, from violence to. Oh, that's nothing. To muting us out on the social media platforms, like what they call it, deboosting on uh, on uh, on Facebook. What is it, deboosting that James just broke? So you know that that whole thing doesn't surprise me at all. They'll go to violence. You know, I mean, who the hell cares about whether you switch a few bits in a program so that the search algorithms that go through what you have to say on Facebook point out the fact that you might be on the right, and they just degrade your posts and don't let them show anymore. Uh, you know, that's kind of a scary environment, but that's nothing to them when they're willing to send someone out to belt you in the face with your camera, which is what happened to me. Yeah, what what's what's weird is um, what's weird to me, Dan, is now we're getting, uh, you know, now now I've been getting people who like Joe Rogan, who aren't even like that right wing, but just because they're f- pro free speech, they're. Um, they're now getting, you know, put on like, you know, hate speech list by the SPLC, and that that's that's ridiculous. All because they're, all because they associate with conservatives. That's uh, that's annoying. That's annoying to me, but it's also downright scary. That even, uh, you know, modern. How many, how many people follow you on Twitter right now? Do you know? I don't know. I can look uh, for, it's for funny. I can actually, I can actually look it up. Uh, I currently have. Uh, let me let me look on my profile. Uh, let's see. I uh, I currently I currently have. 1,925 followers. Oh. Um, I'm following <laughs> almost 4,000, so my follow-to-follower ratio is, you know, way down, but... Uh, uh, sure. I paid no attention to the ratio and just tried to build followers on my account because I wasn't a Twitter person. I'm just be honest with you in the audience. It's just like, I'm taking somebody to look at my stuff. The only people I have are, are Facebook fans, I guess, so Facebook and YouTube um i have like four thousand subscribers on youtube or something like that so people do respond and comments on my videos but i was like looking to twitter for that platform and i was trying to build a following i guess what i was trying to do and i did i built it up to five thousand almost the moment i hit five thousand they they just shot the twitter account down and they won't tell me what i said that's the thing and you know i don't have the i'm retired i don't have the resources or the wherewithal to sue these people you know i just don't I don't have that much time in the day. You know what I mean? It, and where would it have to be? It'd have to be some cross-country thing from, I, you know, I live in Florida. I make no secret about that. I live in right. Florida. Um, you know, very near you, Sam. What am I going to do? See these people in California? That's not going to happen, right? So I lost my Twitter account, my 5,000 followers, which took me, I don't know how long to build it up, but I did, you know I mean? And and uh, I'm owed that, but, I, you know, eventually I just sort of, you know, you take your licks and start again. What can you do? There's no court to appeal to. But that's why I think these things, these um, social media platforms, you know, you may want to talk about that on a different day or something like that. But I think that they are they are, should be susceptible to the Sherman antitrust law. You know, I mean, it's similar to Ma Bell saying, I'm not going to give these people phones because I don't agree with their political beliefs. You know, I mean, and that's that's really a that's a scary thing. 
if you really think about it. I mean, we we can we can talk a whole bunch about social social media censorship. I mean, the the one thing that baffles my mind is, uh, you know, you you have uh, accounts of people on the left who are literally set calling for the death of uh, people like, you know, like well, like for example, there were there were left wing Twitter accounts calling for the death of. Uh, that those, you know, Covington Catholic school kids, and uh, you know they're still up there. Um, you know, yeah. there are that's, that's craziness. But I don't think those people are the worst. I think I would say, you know, worse than worse than them, worse than someone like saying, "Hey, Donald Trump should die" or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's that actually helps our purposes okay when they do stuff like that but this sort of demonization of the right and slowly that's what i was pointing out in that video which you know your listeners can find out on my youtube channel that disinfectant but i just put it out there because i saw this omar this omar person saying that trump you know comparing trump to obama and saying that obama is human and trump is not i think that's worse than saying that somebody should be assassinated I think that's worse because what it does is it, it demonizes a people as being less than human. And that's exactly what the Nazis did in World War II. You know, they had this word, untermenschen, where they talked about the Jews. And they drew them in caricatures, which, you know, had nothing to do with what Jews look like. Nothing at all. But they made them look like really evil people and this kind of thing. That's precisely what's going on inside the United States right now with the right. And... People don't call it out. People are afraid to call it out. What is Nancy Pelosi folded, right, when they tried to condemn her on the floor of the House? I mean, you know, how many people are the Dems going to have left that are fans, right? I I was trying to think. You know, if you're a Jew, are you voting voting Democrat? I can't believe you are. are, You're an idiot. You're an idiot. A lot of of them do, though. So, um, I mean... And a lot of, I mean, a lot, I mean, a, a lot of the big liberal ones aren't really practicing, you know, either. But that's a whole, you know, that's a whole other enchilada. Uh, oh, and then you have the, uh, and then you have the alt right, which, as far as I'm concerned, is, you know, the 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 alt right and the far left are kind of the same thing, uh, basically. Well, if you look at the political spectrum as a donut. I can just say from my practical experience, and I don't know how well this lines up with your alt-right and the alt I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. It looks like a donut. So it kind of wraps back upon itself. So if you look at May Day, okay, so where are we now? We're getting towards the end of March. But for anybody who wants to start a YouTube channel, by the way, here's a tip. Plan a trip for Portland, Oregon for the first, <laughs> for the first of May, okay? And just turn your camera on. I guarantee you're going to get something. But, you know, in that group, you're going to find two different, you're going to find the International Socialist Organization for Portland State University, okay? They, they teach Trotsky, uh, Trotsky communism, okay? And so you've got those people agreeing with the anarchists, okay? And the anarchists, of course, are at the far, far right. It's like you're saying, you know, the, like the all right, you know, there's no government and, and these sorts of things. So, you know, you, you get that thing sort of bending back on itself. So, you know, you just get the kind of whack jobs at the end of the magnet, I guess, at, the, at both ends of the magnet um, as it wraps back upon itself. That's the way I kind of kind of look at that, that both extremes are are not good, are not good.
And, you know, Sam, we talk about, you know, war like it's in a hypothetical. But you watch some of these war movies, it's crazy. We do not want to have a war. You know what I mean? So, you know, we really need to figure this out with the left and, and um, yeah, get our country back on track to constitutionalism for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the other big thing I worry about is just censorship from big you know, tech companies, and you and I have discussed this before, uh, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of the government regulating services like Twitter, but at the same time, I, I have to agree with Tim Pool. I think it's uh, inevitable, so, in some ways. You know what you do, Sam, I'm a, tech, I'm a tech guy, just thinking about it for two seconds, what you do is you would say, okay, Twitter has been abusing its power, that's what you would do under the Sherman Antitrust Act, and you would yeah. say, okay, we're going to take Twitter and we're going to make it into a protocol, okay? It's no longer a program or a platform. It's a protocol, okay? And anybody can participate in that protocol. And you make the protocol public, and then you have different providers which can provide, you know, various access to that same platform via the protocol. And, and then they can't censor you anymore. They can run the servers if they want to, but they can't censor you because you can input stuff from any different direction, and they can't shut you down. They don't run the accounts, okay? So they just provide the bulletin board, basically, so they're, they're the bulletin board provider, and now you've got a bunch of people sticking pins and cards and index cards up on the bulletin board. That's the way you have to look at it. And that's what they would do. That's what they did with MyBell. It's exactly the same thing they did with MyBell. They would do it with it's just one level of technology higher than that, what's going on. And it's scary. It's very scary to look at the people that they were deboosting and why they were deboosting them. And you look at some of those internal slides that got leaked by Project Veritas. I mean, that's you know that's very scary what's going on inside of both those places facebook and twitter uh james has videos up on so yeah well well what's what's scary now too is that i mean sites like project veritas and uh you know other outlets like that are now being labeled as fake news they're also being labeled as hate speech by the uh spls as a way to you know discredit them now i mean i I guess I I just read this yesterday. The one good thing is uh, I don't know if you heard, but the the SPLC I believe that they're either uh, in the midst of a lawsuit right now, or they're going to get sued um, by uh, Majid Nawar, who is uh, who's kind of like a he's a Muslim, but he speaks out against uh, you know radical Islam, and uh, the SPLC called him. Uh, an Islamophobe, which is ironic. So he he brought a suit against the SPLC, and I think they settled, which opens up the gate for a lot of uh, yeah. conservatives to now sue the SPLC. So. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's a cool idea. Well, I don't know. I'd like to sue Twitter, but I think it has to be a... I think one of the things that I think has to happen there is you need um, a group, okay? You need to offer it as a group. So, uh, similar to, you know, cancer patients who sue the tobacco companies. You know, I mean, it's very similar to that is the way that you fix that problem similarly. You know, you'll stop. You'll, and it really, you know, you do have to filter for things like pornography. And, you know, you do have to have some sort of child content filter on that. Just Americans are only going to be able to accept that, you know, if they can do that, if they can keep their kids away from it. Which but... Which Twitter, Twitter's, which Twitter does not have filters for that, by, by the way. Um, oh, wow. I don't, you know, Twitter, 
Twitter does not have filters for that kind, kind of uh, thing. So I found that out the the hard way. So oh well, you know, um, uh, talking to uh, how can I say this? Oh, if you watch some of the investigations on uh, Project Veritas website, you'll see a guy Mo who is a guy who's internal to one of these guys who used to watch these posts. And a lot of what he does, theoretically, Sam, according to him, was to look for uh, extreme violence and uh, and pornography. Yeah. And illegal pornography, I think, were the things that they were looking for. Mostly. Mostly. That's what they say. Without, but they also have these conservative... So the way they do it is the software engineers run it through a meta-tagging system. And so everything that, that gets set out there gets meta-tagged. And then they search the meta tags for various things. And if you happen to pick up, uh, what is it, uh, Don't Tread on Me inside of your, your post or something like that, they're more apt to look at your post. That's basically what's going on inside of They flag it. Someone goes and looks at it. And Twitter, for, the, for those of you who aren't up on it, I think the New Yorker did a great article on what goes on in one of these sweatshops. They're basically running these $15 an hour sweatshops down in Arizona. I think it was Twitter. They, they go through all your posts. So you're paying some dude and there's all kinds of things going on out there, right? I mean, there's people at that place that are smoking marijuana out on the back deck. They're having sex in the stairwells. That's all in the New Yorker. I'm not making that up. Okay. That, that's happening at this sort of Twitter subsidiary. It's not a subsidiary. It's a, um, it's an outsourced contractor to look at your posts basically and try to find the stuff. That's what's going on inside there. that the working conditions are so bad. And so you can imagine what a great job they're doing. On looking at your posts, if they're, you know, smoking weed and having sex in the stairwells, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, Sam. You cannot make this stuff up. You can't make it up. No, no, I, I, I believe you. That, that's what's so weird. That's, that is what's so weird. Is like we're, we're, we're living in idiot. We're living in like some weird Fahrenheit four fifty one slash idiocracy <laughs> hybrid <laughs> right now. So. Exactly, or a 404 error. <laughs> it's sort of like living in a big four page not found. You know, I mean, it's like where do they think this stuff up that they can they can make it that crazy and that whacked out? Like, okay, let's make a set of meta tags that are going to tag everybody's posts. That's going to flag those conservative posts, and then we're going to throw them up in front of people who make fifteen dollars an hour in a sweatshop in Arizona. Okay, and have them decide whether your post gets de- gets uh, deboost or not, and then. You know, let it go. It's just crazy what's going on. And I'm, I agree with you, Sam, 100%. I do. I hear what you're saying about non-government intervention in the private sector. But one of the big problems of capitalism, and Adam Smith saw that in Wealth of Nations, his you know, original treatise on capitalism, uh, people want to go out and look at it. He saw the problem with monopolies. You know, I mean, and that's, that is a big problem with capitalism unbridled. Yeah, is, no. I mean, I, I do... I, to be clear, and I've actually said this, I, I do actually agree with kind of putting Twitter and Facebook under the Sherman Antitrust Act, especially since the way Facebook and Twitter advertise themselves, they, they, they almost advertise themselves as being public utilities. Yet whenever, you know, they get asked about, you know, regulation, oh, we're a private company. So, you know, I, so like I said, I don't like the idea, but I do, I do kind of agree with you. I think it's, I think it's necessary kind of, you know, to, to, uh, have some of that stuff reg, regulated. So, 
I want my Twitter account back, right? I mean, there's some value there, right? There's work yeah. and intellectual value in building it for them, right? Now it's gone. Now they can use all your posts. All your content is theirs, okay? But you can't participate in the conversation anymore. That's basically what they did to me. Yeah. That's ugh. Well, I, I have, well, I have, I have several, I have several members of my audience who have uh, been banned from Twitter too. I've been, I've been suspended twice for fairly innocuous things. I, I think I was, uh, I think the first time I was banned it, on Twitter was a, it was like back in 2012, and it was something like really innocuous. Like all I tweeted was. Uh, it was something like if Obama were a Republican, he would be under impeachment trials for lack of action, um, you know, on Benghazi. And someone re reported that and said that, like, you know, I was like extremist rhetoric because I wanted Obama impeached, which, by the way, at the time I, I did. Um, but it was it was really weird. So, um, yeah, I think so. They didn't even identify my post, Sam. On this one, I think they have in the past. They took exception once. Ugh. I'm trying to remember for Facebook or Twitter, but they they took exception. I guess I can say it because you know, I better not say it. But they, it's a it's an abbreviation for Muslim that I used. Okay, that people some people find offensive, but people say it all the time. That got me that got me banned from Twitter for I think I'll, for 30 days. I'll say that. I'll say it for you. Was it was it Muzzy? It was. I did. I let it slip. I think I was even quoting someone, but didn't quote them. Yeah, and I mean, it was I was gone for thirty days. That's I. I mean, I've heard, I've been called. That that's my point, though. That's not even. I mean, I get that that's a slur, but that's not even. I mean, I I've, I've been called worse. Uh, oh, me too. I, and, <laughs> and that that's that's kind of my point is. Uh, you know, and that this was the other point that Tim Pool and I, I, I know I sent you, I don't know if you had the chance to, uh, watch the whole interview, but I know for sure I sent you that clip of, uh, Joe Rogan interviewing Tim Pool and Jack Dorsey and Joe... I, I, I did, well, I did watch some of that. I can't believe that Jack Dorsey actually went in that studio. That's kind of crazy, right? That must've been mega, mega, mega views for Joe Rogan. That's a, that's a, uh, Totally legitimize that channel. That's for sure. Yeah, and 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 look and look, folks. I mean, I I've said this. I you know I know a lot of conservatives have kind of disagreed with me. They they say that the first time, uh, you know, Jack went on Joe's show, uh, Joe didn't press him hard enough, and you know, people have brought up the fact, oh well, you know, Joe's a gatekeeper, and you, you know, I I've heard all that stuff, and you know. I don't think Joe is a gate is a gatekeeper at all, really. I I think Joe is kind of like me in the sense that he'll have anyone on as long as they're reasonable and as long as they're willing to have to have a civil conversation. Um, and to me, I mean, I I don't know. Jack Dorsey, in my opinion, just I think I think Mark Zuckerberg is definitely more sinister, but. Jack Dorsey kind of seems like a well-intentioned guy who just doesn't know what the heck he's doing. <laughs> so, you know, like, like he, like, multiple times throughout that interview, he, when Tim Pool was bringing stuff up, uh, Jack was, Jack was just like, what? I wasn't aware 
like i i think i think that lawyer lady he he had you know she it's interesting i i think he's kind of unaware of what of the behemoth that uh twitter has become which is kind of con- concerning i think you're right you know i've met jack dorsey once and i have to say that i've never really put my finger on it sam until you said it there's not a lot going on back there that he's kind of clueless in a lot of ways I mean, he he seems he seems kind he seems kind of like a nice guy, but just you know, not too honest. <laughs> I think you're right, 100 percent right. That's really funny because I tried to capture that, you know, the essence of that interview, and that's basically what I got there. He really he probably is like a one hit wonder kind of guy that played this one song, which is this Twitter program when he was in college, and it just took off, and he's ended up where he is now, and. You know, what's he, he tries to, there's a place right across the way from him there in San Francisco, Foursquare or something like that. Yeah. He, he tries to. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, owns square, he, he owns like Squarespace and like Square and the cash app. And those are his, he has like three companies now that he's, that he's running. So. Yeah, I mean, like how much, you know, th- those have to be growth companies and they can't be bringing in any income. I don't know. I haven't looked at the balance sheets or anything like that on these companies. So well, Twitter, <laughs> say, but... well, Twitter's a money loser right now too. I mean, they're, they're especially, and this will tell you, I mean, I'm only 24, but in terms of like what social media platforms, I'm already ancient because I guess now the, all the hip kids are using like Snapchat, which I have, I have no use for. So. Snapchat or Instagram, right? Instagram is even even uh, yeah, more 2019, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, I, I, I do I do have use for uh, I've actually been able to promote the podcast somewhat on Instagram, um, but mo but mostly I just you know I I guess I guess the one good thing on in Instagram is that Babes for Trump became a a pretty uh big hashtag on there during during the 2016 election and uh yeah it the libs over instagram did not know what the hell to do with that so um but uh well, yeah, they're, not that, they're not that bright <laughs> that's one thing if they, don't underestimate them but they're not that bright really when it comes down to it conservatives are more intelligent when it comes down when it comes down to it but by the way, to to the audience, uh, I haven't done this plug yet. But if you would like to uh, support the show, you can uh, PayPal me at paypal.me forward slash Whitfield Pod. So uh, just had to get that plug in there real quick. And uh, no, I do not have Streamlabs set up yet, but I'll be getting that set up. Also, why are people in in the chat talking about uh, we? Weed. I've, I've I've been talking to uh, I've been talking to Dan to Dan here, and everyone in everyone in my chat just seemed to go off on a random, you know, tangent about marijuana. So, well, so that's what's going on in the chat room. I'm not watching. So I'm yeah, I I, uh, I mean, we have we have a bunch of side conversations too. Um, also, uh, so. Some people are, are, are asking, uh, yes, I did send him the, uh, the, docu, the documentary. Um, yes, um, I watched that. That was awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, you, so you and I have both been in, in this game a long time, longer than... That guy's s- a nut job. What's his name again? <laughs> Tell me again. 
Owen, Owen Benjamin. Owen oh. Benjamin. Owen Benjamin. He's definitely a, he's one of the biggest meteor whores I've ever seen. And he's also kind of a nut job at the same time. So it's like kind of interesting watching that. <laughs> I don't want to draw his attention to me, but it's kind of it's sort of like a train wreck. You just have to watch. It, isn't that weird watching that podcast? That's the way I feel about it. Anyway, this guy's like going to implode one of these days. Well, I and... well, well, all, all of the all of the people in my chat room are uh, mostly like, I don't know if if, uh, if Chuck is in here. Uh, yeah, I know he popped in earlier, but like Chuck, who I know I've I've introduced you to some of Chuck's videos. Chuck, and, I like him; he's funny and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, basically, basically, uh, all of Owen's ex bears have basically become my audience. So uh, you know, thank thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Owen. But yeah, I mean, ba basically, it was weird because he started off as. Um, he started off as a, what, a pretty decent guy just playing piano and, like, talking about, uh, you know, constitutional values. And then as soon as uh, some of us started getting suspicion of his, uh, suspicious of his opening act, which was covered in the documentary, uh, he decided to defend the guy who stole Valor and kicked uh, us out. So, uh... So then we started Sam's Savages from that, which is kind of like my, I, I don't know, fan club, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because he's supposedly this guy is on the right, even though I don't think he, even though he, even though clearly he's not. But, yeah, that's, that's my No, do you know, you know where he is, Sam? Do you know where he is? In outer space? Yes, I'll pass Triton someplace. I think what isn't Triton the moon of Neptune that they want to uh, go look at? I think so. Well, hey, yeah. well, well, hang Triton. on. Well, hang on, Dan. We 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 never we never went to the we never went to the moon either. We we never. Dick, <laughs> <laughs> come on. He, did, he see that's why I say he's not serious. A lot of times he's not serious. I mean, he, um, he can't really. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe people actually seriously believe that crap, but I was on the planet at the time, you know, I mean, there's no way you were faking that in 1969, not happening, okay, <laughs> it's not happening, it didn't exist enough, it's the same thing with the Kennedy, you know, conspiracy theories, I don't believe in any of those either, just too, too complicated, too many people to pay off, you know, too, too many, you know, you just can't keep all your lies straight after a while. So it's it's easier to do it rather than fake it. You know, it costs you more. <laughs> it would cost you more to fake it and make it a conspiracy. So if he's down about that, uh, you know, he's, he's really not saying <laughs> they are the Yeah. Right well, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, granted, you you have you have not you have not had to stare into the you have not had to stare into the I'm not saying anything you know against you, but you. Have, you have not stared in, into the abyss of this whole bear cult, like, like, uh, like uh, you know, some of some of us have. I mean, you, I pretty much introduced you by the time we we exposed all of yeah, all of the things. So. Absolutely, yeah. I was looking at it in retrospect, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and I mean, you can that, watch now he's in his backyard, right? He's in his backyard playing the piano, and you know, I mean, it's kind of sad to watch. Actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't pay attention to him much any, anymore. I, I mean, I, the the only reason I'm bringing up is because 
Someone someone made a reference in the chat, and I just couldn't help myself bring up the the documentary. So uh, yeah, that was good. It was extremely uh, good. I don't know who made it, but it was it was excellent. It's as good as some of the stuff you see on. Uh, uh, sh- shout out to uh, shout out to a gentleman by the name of Porcelain, who is also on on YouTube. Um, he's actually Porcelain is actually from Great from Great Britain. I, I don't know his story, but he's he's kind of like a documentarian. He he does commentary docu- documentaries kind of in that style, but the way he the way he does them like stylistically, it's kind of like uh I don't know if you ever saw the movie This is Spinal Tap, but they're they're kind of they're hilarious like that, but they're also pretty accurate. He just put one out on Joe Rogan that's pretty hilarious. So I'm huge on Spinal Tap, by the way. I've seen it so many times. Oh yeah, I, I I love I love Spinal Tap too. I I yeah, want I want it's to... Rob Reiner's film, right? I mean, how can you like that movie and still, you know, I don't know. I I can't watch it again. I can never watch it again since I know I interact with Rob Reiner on Twitter. You know, he's just he's the worst of the left. He's worse than Michael Moore. I would rather put the video camera in his face than Michael Moore's face. He's a bigger hypocrite. And yeah, Michael that, Moore. that's sad. That that's. I mean, that's how I feel about Robert De Niro. I mean, like I I use I I love Goodfellas, but I mean I I. De Niro when he went on, you know, Trump calling Trump like a like a Nazi, you know, or what yeah. whatever he said. I mean that that ruined that ruined uh, Goodfellas for me as, as a movie. So. Yeah, you know, you have to look at actors in a way, having done a little bit of acting, in a way, actors are like paint. So it's really like his job is, what is it that they said to uh, uh, Jack Nicholson? They, they, they said, you know, how do you act? You know, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you produce such great characters and stuff like that? He said, I have no fucking idea. I just show up and read the script. And that's exactly what he does. You know what I mean? It's just he's a natural. It's what he does like people who build houses or build cabinets. You know what I mean? And then it's like hating your cabinet maker because he, you know, he, he has these different political views. But I'm with you. I can't, you know, I, I can't watch these. Yeah, I can't. I can never laugh at Jim Carrey ever again. He's just such a sad, pathetic character that, that you know, I don't know how, how you let your brain rot away that bad, you know, to, to be that hateful. Okay, to do some of the things that what is it that De Niro said in front of all those people? You know, F you Trump, the yeah. president of the United States. So I was, yeah, you know what? F you De Niro. That's what I said. I'm I'm kind of done with your movies. I, I think you're a great actor, but I think you're I think you you've got some mental issues that you really need to address. To be yeah, quite honest, well, I mean the guy the guy's also like the guy's also like I think he's I think he's got. He's got to be in his late seventies now, early eighties. So I mean, I yeah, medicate him, will you? Somebody, anybody who's around him, you <laughs> medicate him so that he doesn't doesn't go out on TV and say stupid. You make himself look stupid, saying hateful things about the president, one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had in the United States. Pro- Just a it's sad time, sad time for the United States, where you know mainstream media can't paint him as anything but Satan. Or worse, okay? Hitler, Satan, a Nazi, any of those things are okay for Trump. And he's produced one of the best economies that we've ever had in the United States. Probably. I just, people don't appreciate it. People have no, no appreciation for what we have for president right now. Probably the, probably the greatest president of my lifetime uh, thus far. 
Um, so, yeah, him and well, I'm a little older than you, so him and Reagan. Well, yeah, uh, little Reagan get in, yeah. Obviously, but, you know, Reagan did some things that were not very popular amongst conservatives. Just so we get the record straight, you know, there were some things like he eliminated the second home mortgage deduction. That was a huge thing, and you know, that a lot of people it, it crashed the housing market, and but it needed to be kept under control because too many people were using that to. It's basically money laundering, where people would buy properties and just you know, just keep them and just. And have the government basically pay the bill for the upkeep on the property, basically. That's how it worked out. And it really wasn't, I don't know. You can make arguments against the fact, why do we have the first home, you know, deduction? Why do we even have that? But, you know, people scream bloody murder if you get rid of it. But why should we subsidize behaviors, you know? As a, and, you know, that gets into the difference between libertarianism and anarchism and, and all that. But why should the government be doing that? Why should we be... Why should we? Why should we be paying part of people's mortgages? I don't own property. I live in an apartment. I don't know about you know you, Sam, but I don't. I don't own a house. I don't right. care. We should be subsidizing those people. I mean, <laughs> you know, watch all the hate show up in your chatter now. Oh yeah, well, we should be. You know, we should definitely keep the home home mortgage deduction. But you know, if, if it came up, I'd be a Rand Pollard there. You know, I'd say, hey, you know what? Why are we doing this? Let's simplify the tax code and get rid of that as well. So anyway. I I, w I will also say uh, one thing that I'm very glad that Trump that Trump uh, has done as a college student I, I I do want to bring this up too Trump just signed like an executive order basically as I understand it getting rid of those uh, you know absurd safe basically uh, you know saying that like uh, you know conservative student students can't be uh, targeted by professors or, you know, uh, for their political views on college campuses, which uh, is great. I mean, that's something that conservative college students have had. He actually mentioned, Sam, he mentioned a friend's, I don't know if you've ever had Laughing at Liberals on your show before, have you? Uh, I've, I've never had, I've never had Laughing at Liberal, I've had you, I've had, uh, I've, again, I've Leo. had... Leo, but uh, I've never had. Yeah, I don't know. You should definitely have him on your show because Trump actually mentioned him. He gave him the shout out without making it too obvious. But he talked about the cowbell at Portland State University, and that was him that got shouted down. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he mentioned it when he signed the executive order this week. So it, that's kind of interesting example of citizen journalism that caught his attention. That video caught his caught his attention. You know, it's like nobody should be shouted down, and it's not. You know, maybe some of your listeners don't understand that. It took me a while to understand that, too, that, you know, if you if you stand in front of me and scream in my face, you know, you're denying me my First Amendment right. You know, there has to be a balance there between in a conversation. And if you just stand there and use an amplification device to make me not heard, you have violated my most fundamental right, as according to the founding fathers and Bill of Rights, you know, number one, First yeah, Amendment. The, the I mean, the other thing, and this is a lot more egregious, but I mean, we've, I, I had someone during the, the 2016 uh, election try and, I, and unfortunately I didn't get, get it on film because uh, I was walking, or in, in my case, you know, rolling to class, but um, I mean, someone, someone tried to uh, snatch my uh, MAGA hat off the, the top of my, the top of my head. Now I, I swatted it. Oh, I swatted it 
I just wanted their hand away, and they, they didn't they didn't try anything because uh, you know I I I don't really have to say it, but I mean let's let's be honest they their their foot was not going to uh, compete very well against a a a, a thousand pound motorized wheelchair if they if they tried it if they tried it again, but uh, you know just the fact that they tried to uh, you know that they that what they, an asshole. Right. I mean, I wish I had a second. See, that's why I never go anywhere alone. I mean, we used to always say that, but we do it all the time. But never go anywhere alone and always have a B angle on it because, you know, the optics of knocking a MAGA hat off a guy in a wheelchair. Damn, I wish I had that video. That's I, a great video. I, w- I wish I I wish I, I, I wish I had been, been rolling. But see, that that's the other thing. Being, I wish I had been rolling my, my phone. But see, that that's the other thing. Like, you know, I don't want to have to. That's that's the other thing with some of these incidents is you always wish you had it on film, but you know some of these things just happen. So you know, um, what would be interesting is to set up your wheelchair shit. Up. Uh, set up your wheelchair, Sam, with um, you know a GoPro tied into the battery on your wheelchair that it overwrites the card. You know, just constantly while you're out there, you get and just wear your MAGA hat around and get out of downtown Sarasota. I hope you don't care where you, I say where you are, but get out of there. You'll get people knocking your hat off all the time. Just tie it to a fishing line, right? You know, get like, uh, what is it? What's really strong? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a freshwater fisherman from New England, so 10-pound test is the highest thing we ever tied. You know, but you probably you probably get like 50-pound test that's not too, too visible, right? Some good alligator clamps. Clamp that, <laughs> clamp that, I can't even say it, clamp that pitch right onto your chair. And like and uh, enroll on that GoPro twenty four by seven. <laughs> Go live. <laughs> Go downtown. Once you get knocked off, how many times you'd get it knocked off? It'd be incredible. Yeah, the, there's 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 this guy there's this guy named uh, named uh, Carl. I don't know his I don't know his YouTube channel, but he. Uh, I mean, he he just goes by Carl on YouTube. I know that, and he. He's I I don't really know if he's even even a conservative, but he'll he'll just he'll just go on kind of the street and uh, do like these these pranks uh, in New in New York City and just like see how people people react. It's uh it's pretty it's pretty funny to see how people just react to his GoPro thing. So yeah, I'd like to walk around in downtown. Portland State University, another great opportunity for people. Just walk around outside. Was Just it, make sure your camera's in the open. Wasn't you know? Port, Portland State? I, I, I seem to remember. I, I seem to remember Portland State University. I think you were already down here uh, by the time this happened. But from what I remember, uh, Portland State was where that uh, where that shit got caught filming amateur porn. <laughs> In the library, and the, and she got she got suspended. It, it, it was like it was like a major national news story or, or something, right? I missed that. That went right by me. So I, I missed that story. It was somebody in the library down at PSU. That didn't surprise me. PSU yeah. is still some of the biggest pervs in the world. <laughs> there you go. Happy for me. I'm sure a lot of those people. Well, I mean, you don't have to look at the governor. Okay, uh, Neil Goldschmidt of Oregon. You probably don't even know this story, Sam, but I'll tell you really quick. Neil Goldschmidt was having affairs. He was having the state police bring 16-year-old girls to his room to have sex with them, okay? <laughs> then so the state police are your bodyguards if you're the governor of Oregon. 
And that's what he was doing. He got caught. And he got caught by he got caught by the left-wing media in Portland. So the only reason why I got exposed, uh, uh, Willamette Week did it, did an expose on it. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, but he got he actually got a Pulitzer for it, okay? And Neil Goldschmidt went out of office. So, I mean, that just gives you one idea. You know, the other guys, I was sorry, the next, the next uh, episode of, Sandini sabotage is going to be the top 10 whack job things to ever come out of Portland, Oregon. And that's not a whack job thing. That's just a disgusting, gross politician thing. I'm going to do another list at some point for them. But, I mean, he's just the beginning. You know, you've got Sam Adams and, and you know, all these people. It's just, you know, I don't mind what you do in your own bedroom, but make sure it's legal, okay? Yeah. And don't do it on government time. I don't care, okay? You can do whatever you want to do, okay? But... You know, when you're when you're the governor of the state of Oregon and you're having the state police bring 16 year old girls to your house, that's just you know it's out of control. And that guy never went to prison for it, by the way. Goldschmidt never went to prison. Never he never got convicted of anything. Crazy, but it's 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 well known that's what was going on. Yeah, that that is yeah that's it's it's stories like that just that make you lose faith in in the government completely almost too. So. Well, then there's the upside of that, too, Sam. I've been encouraging people to run for mayor of Portland because I can't find a single good candidate that's out there. That The guy who has it now, give me a second to think of his name, doesn't want it, okay, hates it, hates the job, has made no secret about it, he's not going to run again. I, I, I don't know who's going to be the next mayor of Portland, but it's wide open, folks. Anybody who wants to try it, it's wide open right now. Yeah, I mean, if, if we have any listeners in Portland, which I think we do, uh, we might have like all of two. So, if the two people who are uh, listening to this podcast later on in Portland, feel free to run for mayor of Portland. If if you want the job, I don't. And I mean, Dan moved here to Florida too, so that. Yep, chime in, chime in on chat if you want to be the mayor of Portland. <laughs> I would say we'll make a candidate out of you. We'll do like AOC. We should run a we should run a contest like AOC, right? We can we can have people write in their best candidates to be the mayor of Portland. We and we can run the best one. We should just run some hot MAGA check to well. <laughs> well, are, although hang on a sec, are, are there any hot MAGA chicks in Portland? I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. there are any hot MAGA chicks listening to your show, but if there are, chime in on chat. No, no, there, I, there, there are, there are who listen to the who listen to the audio podcast. So I, I know, I know that, but uh, but yeah, let's uh, yeah, it, it, it would it would be great though if we if we could get up get like a MAGA chick to run theoretically and have it be like the 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 AOC type of thing. So. But uh, the equivalent of AOC for Portland mayor, I like that. Except, uh, you know, obviously, obviously, she would be a lot smarter than AOC because, uh, because uh, you know, AOC couldn't even uh, name the the branches of government correctly. What if we did like a Manchurian candidate, Sam? We got somebody set up who doesn't have a high political profile right now, and. Just have them set up with all these whack job ideas, you know, Green New Deal on steroids. We'll call it Green New Deal cubed or something like that, okay? 
And, you know, it's where you're forced to collect all the rainwater on your roof or something ridiculous like that, right? Just the most whack job ideas you could possibly come up with. We'll come up with a platform, Green New Deal Cube, and run it on the Portland. We'll run it for Portland mayor. And whoever writes into your show, you get to be the Manchurian candidate. Uh, yeah, well, well, Jacob Downey in the, in the chat. I, I, Jacob, I, I know you're not from Portland, but he, he's all... He's offering to run for port for Portland Portland's mayor. Portland mayor. So, uh, we we have we have a couple people from Canada who who are in the what, chat. Run for Portland mayor? That's we, incredible. We should have people write in why. What are their bios? You know, I mean, what what quality what qualifications do you have? Because I don't think you have to be a. I would bet that if you go back through the city laws, that you don't have to be a resident of the city to run for mayor. I'll bet you anything because. I know that the the candidate for the third, I mean the um, the congressman from the third congressional district, Blumenauer in 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 Oregon has considered running, and I think that he's given up his address inside the city of Portland. So I'm going to guess that you don't need to that it's not on the books. But they figure that nobody would ever win, you know, unless you were a Portland resident that you're not going to win. But I would be surprised. <laughs> Portland people do weird shit. They do very weird shit. And, you know, if you come in there from the outside, I'm telling you, I, I was joking about it when I first started thinking about this. But it is, and it may not be one of your listeners, but this, the mayor of Portland right now, nobody wants that job. Absolutely no one wants it. It's a disaster from all perspectives, from the left, from the right, from the middle. He's, he's, he's pleased no one. And wants out of the job. He's not going to run for a second term. And that's coming up next year, 2020. 2020, uh, Mayor Portland. So, who could it be? Mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have no idea. So, uh, let's see. I, I, have, I have no idea. But, uh, anyway, well, uh, Dan, you know, is there anything you want to plug real? real yes, quick? I do. I, I, I want... Folks to go out to projectveritas.com, especially if you're an insider uh, inside some sort of company and step forward. Uh, I think it's I think where James has put that stuff is projectveritas.com forward slash be brave. OK, and, and I think James is changing how he's, his approach to stories and he's looking for insiders that can give him, uh, you know, the inside scoop. Somebody wants to drop a dime on something that's going on in terms of corruption or anything inside of a government agency, or inside of Twitter, inside of a social media platform, you know, wants to drop a dime on someone, I would plug James's platform. I would say projectveritas.com. I think it's forward slash be brave. I think that's what it is, or something like that. So, but you can just go to projectveritas.com, you'll find it. James's new thing for people to volunteer information and tips on what's going on. So, yeah, James is really doing uh, God's work. I've I've, I feel so he, he really, he really is. So, and if I forget to say it, Sam, thank you for having me on the program today. You're, you're a wonderful host and I love talking to you and I'll talk to you anytime you want. Oh, thanks for, thanks for coming on Dan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, anytime, uh, you want me to come on your podcast, I, I know that your format is a little different, but you know, you, uh, you've taught me a lot about citizen journalism. So if you ever need help with the whole podcasting thing, you know, feel free to let me know and, I'd be happy to help you out and plug your uh, your show, which again is uh, Sandini's 
Uh, oh, come on. Sandini Sabotage. If you can't come oh, yeah. up with it in two seconds, i got to rename it. Sandini, <laughs> Sandini Sabotage. Well, I, 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 never a, I, I, was never a, I was never a marketing guy, Sam. Uh, I, well, I... Well, I was I was never a marketing guy guy too. I, I think um, when when I first named this podcast, I initially named it the Whitfield Analysis because I would analyze news and politics. Uh, but and then people got tired of typing that URL in uh, a lot. <laughs> well, and then I and then like and then during the twenty six and then during the twenty sixteen election, I I changed the name to the Whitfield Report because. Uh, people started trolling me on Twitter and like taking the uh, uh, the vices part of analysis off of uh, you know off of that. So it 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 uh so then you came up with you know the Whitfield uh, something. We'll just call it since we're, since we're uh, since we talked to Owen, it was <laughs> they basically called it the the sodomy report or something like. Or the uh, the other a word for that, but uh, anyway, so I I change it to uh, the Whitfield report and have been you know doing that since. But uh, so you know re- rebranding works sometimes too. But I think Sandy Sabotage is, is a great name. So. <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for that, Sam. You're you're uh, you're you're very very kind, and I like the Whitfield report. I like it. So I think I think it's it's very authoritative. You know, and uh, for all your listeners that are out there, you know, what are your channels? Put them out there and and um, everybody keep doing what you're doing because it's really important. The middle right now is getting squashed out. The middle is getting squashed out. The big media channels can't be beat. That's that's what I would you know, you can't. uh, It's like people like Crowder when they shut his channel down, you'll sue them. You know, I mean, you can't do it, but I just don't have the resources. So it's that middle guy now. So and, you know, who's the next? Steven Crowder out there. Who's the next Mark Dice? Yeah, we yeah, we, yeah, we 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 desperately need and and we we desperately actually need. Uh, I mean, I I've I've kind of been lukewarm on uh I've kind of been lukewarm on Crowder uh re- recently. I I used to I used to really be a big fan and then, you know, since he kind of hitched his wagon to uh, you know, Owen, I haven't really been a, been a big fan since and that i mean that's not the that's not the only reason i mean i mean i'm not glenn beck was kind of breitbart's adversary for a while i i know that too so well they were allies for many years and then they were adversaries for a very short period of time and unfortunately before the argument got settled um breitbart left the building so there you go Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, well, Dan. Uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, let me know if you ever want to come on again. I'm I'm happy to have you, and like I said, I'm happy to do your uh, pod as well. So, thanks very much, Sam, and to all your listeners. Check me out, DailyDisinfectant.com. Thanks a lot for oh, having me on. Oh, really? real real quick too. Uh, I mean, I know I know that you're that you're not rolling on Twitter, but I mean, I guess. Do would people just come on your channel, or how would they get in contact well, with you? I, I I use some random email, but if you want to hit me on on Twitter, it's daylight disinfectant space t o o is the name that I used. So there you go. Okay, yeah. So contact you. So there. Yeah. 
right. I can't I can't even shut down the old channel, uh, Sam. So there you go. Can't even shut it down. That that's how well they've locked me out of my account. Yeah, there you that, go. That should not be. That should not be because now your presence is drawn. If somebody wants to friend you or something, they're going to find all that old posts. So yeah. until you build up bigger than that, you know. Anyway, but uh, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot, Sam. I appreciate it very much. Hey, say hi to your mom for me too. Oh, I, oh, I will. I, I'll, I'll say hi. Uh, yeah, we we ought to have you. We ought to have you back down here too. So I'm coming. All right. Like bad ten, like a bad penny, I always churn up. Well, or or like or like a lucky penny in 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 our case. So you you've been a great you've got you've you've been a great friend, and I really appreciate you. So. All right. Well, to all your listeners, keep the ice buckets full, and always use top shelf gin. I drink yep. Hendrick. All right. Good to know. <laughs> right, we'll talk to you later. All Good right. night. All right. Uh, bye, Dan. Alrighty, folks. What have we got going on? Uh, I'm going to. Uh, if anyone is in the chat right now, yeah, I know. I know Owen's live. Uh, I don't listen. It's it's my night, though. I don't. I don't want to spend time watching Owen's stream, especially since uh, he's not going to confront me or debate me. Even though I've offered, he's he's not he's not going to. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. If if so, if any of the savages are around, what I what I want to do is uh, I I'm going to do a part two of the show uh, tonight, and I'm gonna open it to Google Hangout. So uh, hopefully, some people can jump in. Uh, like I said. If any of you guys are feeling generous uh, tonight, you can donate to the show uh, at paypal.me forward slash WhitfieldPod. The link to that is in the description. Uh, I might also... uh, Let's see. Uh, No, Noracle, you... Oh, you're banned on the... Oh, you're not banned on my chat. You're banned on... Well, yeah. Everyone is banned on Owen's chat. So, um, you know, Mr. Free Speech Warrior, right? But uh, anyway, folks, thanks for uh, watching part one. I'll be right back uh, with part two. If uh, any one of the savages wants to uh, jump in, I'll post the link in uh, in the Discord. Uh, and all the usual places, and you guys can hop on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back with uh, part two of the 11-year anniversary special. Thank you for watching part one so much. Uh, Good night, God bless, God save this great nation, and we'll, uh, we'll be right back. So, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, real quick before I end the stream, uh, Jacob, do I need to, can someone somehow get Jacob a link to the, uh, Whitfield Report Discord? That would be great. Alright, folks, uh, we'll be back.